Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Who said that? Who the f said that? There's a Tommy ass! Phone's for you. I think it's the devil. Who are these fing guys? There's a Tommy ass! We'll go to the loony bin together. It's a lot of nonsense. A little nonsense now and then is relished by the wisest man. Yo, hello everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Total BS Podcast. My right-hand man right here as always, Mr. Justin Spears. What's up, Justin? Saul, first of all, happy Mother's Day to all the amazing moms out there. It's your day. I'm glad we get to celebrate it. But man, another weekend of last episode in the books. And Saul, I got to say, I think this one might have been the best. Of last dance. Of last of dance. Last dance. Yes. yes. In the books. Hey, man, we might as well just go ahead and get right into it. Yo, how we how do we like the new intro? It's amazing. I love it. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, so uh, a hey, major shout out to MC Squared out in San Antonio. Those are my guys. Uh, believe it or not, back in my uh, old days, I used to be a, a, a drill sergeant. We call them military training instructors in, in the Air Force. <laughs> On a couple this. of occasions. <laughs> Not at yeah. me in particular, but and uh, and so uh, one of these one of the guys that used to be in one of my flights, I uh, I tapped him out because he uh, he does some underground hip hop stuff and it's and it's pretty good. And uh, so I hit him up and said, "Hey man, we're looking for an intro. Would you mind if we use some of your music?" He was like, "Hell yeah, bet." So we might actually have him on next week, uh, Luis LQ Iverson and his MC Squared uh, little little duo right there. It's uh, fantastic stuff. And one thing that you can expect from us moving forward is putting a light on music that you might not hear on your everyday Apple Music stream or Spotify stream. We love local artists. We appreciate the grind and the hustle that these guys put into their craft. MC Squared, I mean, you listen to his flow. You listen to the production in his music. And I think it's great that uh, we get to use our platform to possibly, you know, give them some exposure. But I appreciate MC Square for the for the awesome song. Hey, any love is good love is what Absolutely. I say. So there you Absolutely. go. Especially on this beautiful Mother's Day. Like like Justin said, uh, just a shout out to all the moms out there doing their thing. Uh, and we got a pretty cool show today, man. I mean, it's jam-packed from beginning to end. We got my guy Steve Gilbert from MLB. He's a writer for Major League Baseball. And uh, he's going to come on because he has some unique experiences with Michael Jordan because he uh, was with him during his fall ball days when he was playing for the Scottsdale Scorpions. So we're going to bring him on here in a moment. And then at the end of the show or midway through the show, Justin, who do we have coming on? We have Chris Wilmore, a.k.a. Scarface. This man <laughs> who was once upon a time a convicted felon, he decided to, you know what? I'm going to start a backyard brawl in my home t- in my home state of Virginia where he lives, but there's no uh, fee. The fighters don't get paid. He's using this as a way to prevent gun violence in his area. So if you have beef, you get into the ring with somebody, you, you put on gloves because it's not bare knuckle. Yeah, Those bare knuckle. It's it, guns down, gloves up. Guns down, gloves up, which I think is an awesome movement. And this guy started this in 2009. 
He's built it up over the last uh, 10 plus years. He's got over 1 million uh, subscribers on YouTube. He's got thousands of Twitter, uh, Instagram followers. He's got this private uh, Facebook group that's got 30,000 members in it. Like this guy has turned this thing into like this little like, okay, we're going to put some guys from the neighborhood and put them in the ring. And it's now turned into this big thing. And I think it's really awesome. And we're going to get him on uh, coming up here in about half an hour or so. Yeah, buddy, it's gonna be awesome. Plus, Justin, man, you got a tease. You can't just give it all away at the beginning of the oh, episode. Oh, Come on me. now. No, no, no. <laughs> believe me, believe me. There's a lot more than what I just said. Chris Wilmore, Scarface. He's gonna talk about it. It's gonna be great. Hey, speaking of a lot more than what you probably saw tonight on the Last Dance, my guy Steve Gilbert coming on. And uh, Steve, what is up, Saul? Justin, how you guys doing tonight? Huh? I'm glad you don't have. I'm glad you got my name right down there. You didn't put Scarface down there by my name. That would, that would, <laughs> that have, I have enough trouble as it is. <laughs> well, we hey, we appreciate you jumping on. Uh, obviously, I, I hit you up earlier this week because we've had many chats about um, your days dealing with Michael Jordan. Heck, your Twitter uh, profile pic is with you and Michael Jordan. Uh, so if you if you weren't really paying attention to Steve Gilbert before, if you take a look at that Twitter profile pic, it tells you everything you need to know, Steve. What did you think of about tonight's episode, especially the baseball um, part of the last dance? Yeah, you know, I, I, I find it so interesting because um, I think people get a real good look at Michael behind the scenes. And some of it is just so familiar to me and, and the, the banter back and forth with his security guards or whoever happens to be around him. I mean, that's just that's part of who he is. And you can't be around him if you have a thin skin. And uh, he enjoys it if you, if you give it back to him a little bit, too. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed that. I, I, I disappointed they didn't show him in a fall league uniform at all. But, but uh, I think people got to see, you know, he, he never looked comfortable to me in a, ba- in a, a baseball uh, uniform. It, it, maybe because I was so accustomed to seeing him in a, in a basketball uniform, maybe it was because he was so tall. I don't know what it was, but he just never looked right to me in a baseball uniform. But one thing that, that they pointed out in there that I think was, was uh, sometimes gets lost is how hard he worked at the baseball thing. I mean, he was dedicated. He was in the cage when he was here in a fall league. He was the first one here and the last one to leave. And that was important to him. You know, it wasn't just a, a show for him. Um, you know, he, he took it very seriously. While I like to have fun off the field, uh, he worked, you know, harder than than anybody uh, when it came time to work. What, what was your role with him during the Arizona Folly when he was here? Well, I was in charge of media relations for the league. So basically I was with him uh, each day that he was out here. And I mean, and- I assume he was a, his own full time job, wasn't he? Yes. Uh, you know, it's funny because when they interviewed me for this job and they, they said, uh, you know, usually it's something that the, the fall league didn't get a lot of attention, still doesn't get a lot of attention. So it was more about what's your plans for getting the fall league some attention. And so I, you know, ran through kind of what, what I, my suggestions would be for that. And, and then they said, oh, by the way, uh, Michael Jordan might be coming and play in this league. And I knew right away if that was the case, I, you know, I thought there's no chance that's going to happen, but if it did happen that, that my job was going to change and it did from trying to get attention to managing an overwhelming amount of attention to a league in a league that just wasn't used to it, wasn't really necessarily equipped for it. So tell us about the media frenzy, the fan frenzy, just around Michael Jordan being in the Arizona fall league. Yeah. You know, I remember, um, you know, they had workouts the first, like, I want to say four or five days, over at the, the what was then the Giants minor league complex over there on Camelback and Hayden. 
And so they had put up kind of uh, temporary fencing because they knew there was going to be so many people out there. And it was just a crush of people. It was um, amazing. We had security kind of getting us through the crowds. Um, the thing was, I was told by the security guys right away, was just keep moving. No matter what, just keep moving, especially if you were going to walk in front of him. That was the one thing that he was very sensitive about is you had to keep moving. The last thing he wanted to do was be bumping up against you. So um, I learned a ton during my time there and, and just kind of watching really how grown men would lose their minds when they <laughs> saw Michael Jordan. I mean, I, again, I had dealt with athletes before that. I had dealt with you know well-known athletes before that. Um, but it's a, he was at a different level, especially at that time. I mean, we would be driving in his car and uh, on Camelback, and we'd stop at a light, and somebody would hop out and knock on the window and ask for an autograph, you know. And, and uh, I mean, people just they they would lose it when they saw him, and it wasn't it wasn't just kids, and it wasn't it wasn't you know just women. It was like men, like grown men, would would were just so thrilled to to get a look at him. It, it was really kind of a a surreal experience. And it made me kind of wonder, you know, you always think, Hey, I'd love to be Michael Jordan, man. If I could have that kind of talent and, and make that kind of money. And, but you see his life and you realize that there is no place that he can go yeah. and blend in. And you realize that there's a, there's a pretty high cost for all that as well. No, I one mean, thing- I, I'm not going to lie. If, if I ever met Michael Jordan, I, he's the, he's the one <laughs> guy out there that I've never met. And he's been like my idol my whole life. He's been like, you know, that guy. I mean, I'd probably fangirl too. He, even in the profession that, that we're in, if I saw him walk into Chase Field or Talking Stick Resort, I would probably squeal a little bit. <laughs> well, well, it's just like the that one scene in the Space Jam when he's actually playing baseball and the catcher is telling him like, yo, man, thank you so much for signing my basketball. My kid thinks I'm a hero now. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, that's just the kind of effect Michael Jordan had. Yeah, you know, when when uh, I went to pick him up at the airport when he first got here, you know, he had his own plane. And so that was a first for me. You get to, like, pull right out onto the He had his own plane. Sure. Yeah, his own plane, of course. Uh, and or, or just a private plane, whatever. It was a private plane. So, um, you know, the first time I'd ever pulled out onto a runway to pick somebody up before. Did it look like an Air Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> I was so nervous that I probably wasn't even paying attention. And, and so – Again, I had had experience dealing with athletes before, but when he started, you're talking to a kid that grew up in Chicago, huge Bulls fan before they were good, before they had Michael. And then so then once they had Michael, I mean, huge, huge Michael Jordan fan. And when he got off that plane and started down the steps, I remember it, it was kind of like a cartoon figure had kind of come to life right in front of me. And, and that was one of the few times when I've been around an athlete and just been like, wow, like, yeah. okay. Got to get it together here because <laughs> job to do. But that that was the first time it was like a cartoon character coming to life right in front of me. Steve, I'm curious, you know, because in the last dance tonight, we really saw the kind of alpha man, alpha dog Michael Jordan was, and how big of a of an asshole he was to his teammates. Was he like that as a baseball player, or did he kind of realize, okay, listen, there's there's kind of a pecking order here. I'm not the top dog here. Maybe I need to tone it back. Well, I, I can tell you, Michael always thought he was a top dog wherever he was at. Um, I mean, listen, he played dominoes, and if he lost, you were going to play with him until he won. Um, he would play cards, and he was going to play until he won. Uh, that's just the kind of guy he he was. That's just how he's. That's just how he's wired. 
Um, you know, a, a playing in a pickup basketball game with him, you get you. I saw that firsthand. I mean, it, it, this is nothing to him, but but it meant everything. He wasn't going to lose. So I think that's just his nature, and his nature is to take that competition seriously. And if he's going to go out there, he's going to be the best, and he's going to be the best no matter what he's doing. Uh, you know, inside the clubhouse as well. Is he going to have the best shoes from Nike? Is who's going to get the best shoes? Who's going to you know? You saw him in the last dance flipping quarters. I mean, all those kinds of things he he wants to win at if he's going to play something. So, Steve, you're a writer for MLB. Obviously, you know how to construct a story like no one else. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Despite your ASU education, can you please <laughs> – here we go. You're with a couple of Wildcats, obviously. I had to throw that in there. I, I almost, for full disclosure, for Wildcat people looking up, I almost changed my hat just to you know put it out there, but whatever. Um, Steve, give me give me one of your favorite Michael Jordan stories uh, that I know you have in your bag. Well, I don't know if it's it's necessarily my favorite, but I think it's the one that people enjoy the most. It's obviously the most embarrassing for me, so that that probably makes it even more enjoyable for some people. Fantastic. But, even uh, better. Well, on Sunday nights, <laughs> they would get together and play basketball, and these pickup games have become kind of legendary since he made us come back and talked about, you know, that that was when he started to to get the itch to, to, to play basketball again. And uh, Terry Francona invited me to play one night. And it was uh, Terry Francona, myself, and the coaches against Michael. I mean, sorry, with Michael and the coaches against his teammates. And, you know, these guys are well-tuned athletes. I am not. Let's be honest here. So I was I was assigned to cover Curtis Goodwin that night, who had stolen like 59 bases that year in double-A. So you, you can – see where the story is going. I spent most of my, my, the game just grabbing onto his, his Jersey, um, hanging on to him. But, uh, it, long story short, a couple things happened in there. One is I was not used to playing five on five. I'd only played like, you know, two on two, one on one basketball. So they would continue to run me through screens all the time. Ooh. And it, it inevitably it was right into Michael. And so, <laughs> Michael would say, Stevie, you got to slide. You have to slide through these screens. And so he would put those big hands that he had on my back and just kind of like literally slide me. But he would do it. I'd slide through. The next time I'd turn and wham, right into him. And it just pissed him off like you would not believe. So uh, at one time I did get the ball from him. And this is oh. very embarrassing. I, I must have because it was a rebound that he pulled off. So I must not have been able to get down the court in time. That's why I was ahead of everybody going the other direction. But he threw me an almost full court pass and it was perfect. I mean, right into my hands. Uh, and I had a layup right in front of me and I go to lay it up and Goodwin comes running up behind me and he screams in my ear. It's really loud. And I shorted it right there. <laughs> oh man. Oh. What, hold on. What, what was Michael Jordan's facial expression right after that? Did you see? Oh, he was not happy. He, <laughs> that was not because for him losing was not an option so if, we were gonna be a hit game, if the game was even remotely close the ball wasn't going to leave his hands especially so to those guys to what's that especially to those guys his teammates yeah, especially to those guys and so after the game i was shockingly having trouble catching my breath because i don't remember breathing like at all during the game i was so nervous um and the trainer said you know it feel better if you 
went over to Scottsdale Memorial and just got looked at just to make sure that everything's okay. And I was like, I don't think so. I'm fine. I'm fine. They're like, no, nah, we feel better if you go. And I go, if I go, then I, every time I tell the story, it, it, it playing basketball with Michael Jordan, it, it ends up with, I'm in the yeah, hospital. Like who wants to tell that story? Right. So they're like, no, we feel better if you go. So I go to the hospital and one of the security guys took me over and it's Sunday night, Scottsdale, memorial right there next to uh, the giant spring training facility and jam-packed with people whatever he said to the nurse all of a sudden i'm being put right into a nice room all by myself and i get to put oxygen on me right <laughs> so i'm laying there with an oxygen mask over my face thinking to myself wow this is really going to be a cool story i'm going to want to tell people hey you play basketball with michael jordan yeah i ended up in the hospital it's great um <laughs> So these doctors and nurses that gets around that, you know, this guy played basketball with Michael Jordan. So they were coming to my room. What's it like playing basketball with Michael Jordan? What's it like playing basketball with Michael Jordan? And each time I got to take off my mask and answer him. And finally, the last person uh, who asked, I had had enough. And I, I said, what's it like? What's it like? I'm in the effing hospital. That's what it's like. So that story made its way into Bob Green's book about Michael Jordan's return to uh, to basketball. And apparently that was, uh, according to Bob, a, a very popular story when he would do his book signings. People really enjoyed laughing at the guy that ended up in the hospital afterwards. I was fine, of course, like I knew I would. I was. But, uh, yeah, that's probably my, my biggest Michael Jordan story. And so the next day. I walk into the clubhouse and he's sitting in front of his locker and, you know, he had those big hands and you know, always had ginormous hands. And he, he, he did one of these <laughs> long finger. And whenever he did that, that was trouble. I knew yeah. right away that whenever that I got the little finger wag thing, that was, he was upset about something. So I go walking over and he goes, you never playing basketball with us again. <laughs> it was a relief to hear. Right. And I, I said, why? And he said, because I can't have a good time if I got to worry about your ass keeling over on the floor and dying. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my, oh, that's my man. story for you. There. That's fantastic. Well, you know, I, I'd be remiss before we let you go to, uh, you know, see how you're doing. How's uh, the family, you know, during this whole pandemic? And uh, what's your thoughts on the proposal upon proposal upon proposal of what Major League Baseball might be trying to do here soon? Yeah, you know, thanks for asking. Uh, you know, we're doing we're doing well as well as well as can be uh, expected right now. And um, I, I think right now, when when you're seeing all these different proposals out there, I think they are so anxious to play. I think both sides really want to get somewhat of a season in, and so I think they're they're kind of throwing all kinds of ideas out there. I think they've they've come up with tons of different ones. Some of them which have have leaked that you've seen, whether it's an all Arizona plan or an Arizona Florida plan. I think they're just determined to try to get somewhat some of a season in now, whether or not, uh, you know, this virus allows for that to happen, whether or not we're able to get our testing up to speed in this country uh, to allow that to happen. I don't know, um, but I do know that they're that they're investigating every possible scenario and, and, and game planning for, for that. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens of all the the ideas that have been thrown out there let's just say you know hey we're going to pick one of these scenarios and we're going to run with it and we're good to go uh which one do you think was the most feasible and more realistic well 
I, I can say I think the one that was the least feasible and realistic was the one that where they were going to self-quarantine themselves for four and a half months away from their family. I, you know, I immediately heard from players on that one about no, I, I can't leave my 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 wife and, and kids in the middle of a pandemic um, to go play baseball and, and not see them. So I think that was probably the, the, the least viable of all those. Um, it sounds like they, they would like to try to get games in their own uh, each each team's home parks if if possible, depending on how those if those states are reopen or, or what's going on with the virus. So, um, again, it, it's such so much unknown. It's 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 really hard to kind of to to pinpoint something like that. For sure, Justin. No, I'm I'm all done. All right, hey, hey, all right. Listen, I'm just hoping that the Sun Devils can get on the football field this fall. I mean, that's that's. I mean, you got you got a potential Heisman Trophy winner right there at quarterback, right? I mean, that's the why not? Dreaming is free, <laughs> and we have plenty of time right now to do that, don't we? Trust me, uh, Justin and I are not looking forward to football season. I can probably assure you of that. Oh, honest question. When do you yeah. think is the next time the Territorial Cup is coming back to Tucson? Oh, um, I think we have to move on to our next guest. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> well, Steve, we appreciate you joining us uh, on the Total BS Podcast. Uh, you know, uh, my feelings about you, brother. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, thanks for sharing some of these great stories. I love you, brother. It's always good talking Thank with you. Thank you, Steve. Justin is a, is a blast, and anytime you want to have me on, just let me know. Fantastic. Thank you, Steve. Steve Gilbert, MLB writer, joining us on the Total BS podcast. That was fantastic, right? I loved it. That was great. The The I story, mean, uh, like how many people can say like, yeah, I played basketball with Michael Jordan <laughs> outside of NBA players? Well, it, like, it, that's, that's I, so great. Steve is actually hanging around a little bit, but Dan Bickley actually mentioned that he had went up to Michael Jordan and asked if he could play in a pickup game with him. <laughs> Michael looked at him and said, why do you want to do that? And just walked on. <laughs> so at least Steve got on the court. <laughs> so, uh, but, then, but, but then afterwards, you're not playing pickup with us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, but at least he got a run in. How many of us can say we got a run in with Michael Jordan? I mean, that's, I, that's yeah. legendary stuff right there. Absolutely. You know, whether you end up in the hospital or not, doesn't matter. You got to play ball with Michael Jordan. That's all that matters, right? If somebody so, should have put you in the hospital – if it's Michael Jordan, you could say, okay. Yeah. I mean, the only other Mike I would want to be put in the hospital by was probably Tyson, Tyson but uh, that's probably way more painful. So yeah, uh, we're waiting for Chris Scarface Wilmore to show up here in a little bit. But uh, uh, again, our shout out to Steve Gilbert for joining us on the Total BS Podcast. Uh, Justin, before we get to Chris, so many things going on in the world of sports right now. We had just mentioned uh, a couple of them with Steve on the MLB a potential COVID um, realignment and how yeah. they would be dealing with this. Uh, a couple other things came out today. Adam Silver um, was, uh, you know, he had a press conference with uh, a lot of the M NBA on Friday. And a lot of things came out of that. First of all, the thought of the NBA returning anytime before June or July 1st, you can squash that. That's not going to happen. Um, what were your thoughts overall in terms of the preparation and really the perspective that the NBA has? Because I feel like the NBA has been more dark than everybody else in terms of the reality of the situation that we could be facing. Um, what do you think about that? Well, I think, you know, the NBA too, they're, they're taking this. It's not in a, in a light manner. 
you know, th this is a very serious for the NBA because you just got to think out of all the professional leagues in the United States, the NBA was the one that had the most cases. No, I mean, the NFL had a couple of cases. Uh, I knew UFC this past weekend, they had a fighter that tested positive for COVID-19, but mm -hmm. he was pulled uh, from the card. I mean, the NBA, they're the reason they were the big domino that fell when all of this really became a big thing in the United States. We were in Las Vegas together, Saul. In the uh, for the Pac-12 tournament, yeah. Rudy Gobert tests positive for COVID-19, yeah. and that just seemed like the huge domino that really shut down sports all across the United States and worldwide. So the NBA, they're taking this carefully, you know. And I, I applaud Adam Silver. I think he's been one of the best professional sports commissioners in United States sports history. Yeah, he's I very progressive. Um, he's all about his players, and he's all about doing the right thing. Um, with that being said, he Adam Silver's like, hey, if there's no cure, I mean, we we may not return back to basketball. Uh, you hear Mark Emmert talking about the NCAA. If there's no students on campus, what's the point of having athletic events? And then you, you know, of course, you go into like the NCAA, like the the TV contracts and all that. But that's that's a different story. But man, it's just. Well, I mean, Mark Emmer, Mark Emmer straight out said no, no students, no, or no students, no, no games, period. No, but also yeah. Adam Silver, according to Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN, he said, I mean, there, there could be a possibility of the NBA going to like Orlando or Las or Vegas, Vegas. Yeah. For, for, you know, neutral side games, similarly to what the um, UFC did this past weekend. No fans, only um, credentialed members fighters participate participants yeah. only those people are allowed but honestly man I, I don't know if you know the nba is going to follow suit what the ufc did but i don't think it's looking good no i, I you know i, I want to have my hopes high because you know after next weekend i feel like reality is going to come slap us all in the face again uh these sunday evenings from six to eight have been very nice very fun um to get your mind off of what's going on in the world uh, with this last dance and I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't. I hope I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping that cooler heads will prevail and we'll be able to find some resolutions to some of these things that will enable sports to come back. But as it stands right now, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not very promising because you have to think about all the little logistics that go along with it, not just the testing and if it's available, but also if you're talking about fans in any way, shape or form, you have to have a solution on how to stop a spread, and you don't have that right now. So yeah. how is it there going no to go answers. from A to Z? Yeah, exactly. There are no answers. And, you know, the one thing that I'm really worried about, Saul, here is, you know, things are starting to open up. You know, the, the U.S., the United States, it's not on lockdown as it was, you know, a couple of weeks ago or three weeks ago. You, the United States restaurants are starting to open up again all across the country. My worry is what's going to happen if there's this huge – second wave and then we're all the way back to square one you can yeah. you can forget about this nba season you can forget about possibly the nfl season and you can for, definitely forget about mm -hmm. baseball season oh uh, justin i'll tell you this right now if there's a second wave that comes back in this country it's um, time. with, with it's the vengeance rat. you might as well forget about 2021 until until there's a vaccine there probably won't even be sports until then and that's yeah. that's the scary part about all this. That I don't think people realize. I know people have their own agendas and and their own pol politic political affiliations, and and people are seeing things um, through th certain lenses, right? 
I don't try to go down into that. I just try to see what the, the experts are saying. I don't rely on the news sources. I just look at what is the CDC saying about this? What are my yeah. local health officials saying about this? And everything that they're saying is, is like, we're not out of the woods yet. So, yeah. um, you know, Mark Emmer, I think, made a, a good, um, you know, uh, I don't know. If you because because if, if students aren't allowed on campus, why should student athletes who – Pretty practically live on campus. They're at yeah. these facilities all the time on campus. Why do they get a pass, and why are they being put at risk to possibly getting COVID nineteen as opposed to normal students who are required to take online classes? So, I don't know. Fantastic. Yeah. No. You know. Uh, I don't know where this came from, <laughs> but we have a comment um, from Marianne Deporte Barrett. Cafe Poca Cosa, please. <laughs> Cafe Pocacosa, by the way, is like one of the most legit restaurants down in Tucson. Uh, they source everything natively, uh, and and it's it's just a fantastic restaurant. I don't know what the context was behind that comment, but okay. <laughs> I never tried it before. <laughs> hey, it's pretty dope. Um, it's uh, and it's right in your neck of the woods. Uh, cool. Justin is down there in Tucson. So okay. as we wait for Chris um, Chris Wilmore to show up, uh, Justin, another thing. Uh, kind of going along those lines, uh, Mark Emmer talking about the students not coming back. Um, the NFL is in a unique situation as well because a lot of the times NFL teams, when they do training camp, they do isolate themselves away from the public. Um, yeah. uh, you know, the Cardinals used to isolate themselves up in Flagstaff, you know, and they were in dorms and things of that nature. I wonder how realistic of a possibility that would be. Also, with Mark Emmer just a minute ago, let me backtrack. ASU has already gone on the record saying students are coming back. The University of Arizona, same thing. So I wonder if the students do come back, will sports happen? I don't know. But going back to the isolation part of it, because I think that's when the real dominoes start to fall. If the NFL, for whatever reason, says we got to push the the schedule back or we can't play this season because it's just it's not logistically possible – I think you see this country go from one level to another and the despair and the sadness will really hit home for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, it all depends on what these other leagues are going to do. You know, what's going to happen with major league baseball, what's going to happen with the NBA. But they don't have the impact the NFL does. The NFL is the biggest, no, but, sport but, but, but I'm saying the NFL's decision, will it be based off of what other leagues decide to do and where, the curve is at in the United States at, at that time, because when should the NFL really start worrying about the, the, the delay of the football season? I'm not worried about the NFL, the start of the season going on right now, because it starts in what August, September, August. So that's the time the NFL season gets started. How many months is that from, from now? Three, you know, teams, they start to get together over the summer and start preseason training camps, like you said, in isolation, but you know, what's going to happen between now and the start of preseason training camp with MLB, with NBA. Because if none of those leagues are willing to get back, does Roger Goodell, does he want to be that guy that rolls the dice and say, look, the UFC did it this past weekend at UFC 249. Why can't the NFL do it? Is Roger Goodell that commissioner that's going to roll the dice? I don't think he is, honestly. No. No, not only that, but also, okay, you put all the people that were in that UFC event, you could probably house them on one NFL team. On the sideline, yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like we, we maybe 30, 30 fighters that participated yesterday, you know, an NFL roster is 53. Um, and then you have your, the guys that have to be held out and the practice squad players and the coaches and blah, blah, blah. you like, it's just, it's just crazy. So yeah, um, man, it just, it's, I'm not going to go down this road where I get sad about it, but um, you know, it's, it, it, it doesn't look promising at this moment. Yeah. I saw Washington post story and listen, I don't want to like, rag on the Washington Post here. Hey, but- no, no, no. Don't even do it. Don't even do it, man, because uh, at the end of this at the end of this show, we got a little segment called Don't Be That Guy. And if I think you're going where I think you're going, that's where I'm going with it. Okay. So we'll hold that off. Man, oh, geez. man this is the second time you've been trying to steal some thunder, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Come on I'm, now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm anyway. Sorry. Uh, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that for the end. But for sure, man, for sure. Man, you know, I, I just think you know, we need sports right now. Uh, we need to do everything uh, in, in a smart way. And fingers crossed. Let's just hope, you know, if, if football is back, whew, I'll be okay. All, all is right in the world. If football is back on track, if we get college football and the NFL, hallelujah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, you know, hey, man, uh, we're, we're still waiting for Chris. I don't know if he's going to show up or not. Um, you might want to check on your mans right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, as we wait for him, like we said, we'll continue to uh, to just spew about some of the stuff. So last dance. Let's get back into that. Um, yeah. So many cool moments in that show tonight. Uh, the one that got me the most was at the end of episode seven, um, the, the very last a minute or so, and Jordan's trying to explain um, why he's as competitive as he is. And, you know, pretty much like if you're not on board with it, I can't help you because, you know, sports mean everything to me. Uh, and, and and playing and being competitive and winning means everything to me. So there's a, a certain level of uh, – some people will call it crazy – a certain level of crazy that you have to get to in order to get – those around you that don't have your ability up to another level in order to help you win. And uh, he got emotional about that. And I'm not going to lie that man, that, that definitely got me too. Uh, that definitely got me too. Cause that resonates, especially yeah. in this day and age where it seems like, you know, competition isn't as valued as it once was, you know, basketball players are playing a million AU games. Kids are playing a million games a year with little league and pop Warner and all this other stuff. Um, and so if you win or lose, it doesn't matter. You come back the next day, you're going to play some more. Like, that's all that matters. Like, and for him to say that, it just, it really hit home. Yeah. I think we saw the psychopathic Michael Jordan, the, the person that Michael Jordan warned us all about before this <laughs> documentary. Yeah. Cause remember before the last dance aired, the very first episode, he told people, Listen, a lot of people are not going to like me after they watch this documentary. That's For that's sure. just the way it's going to be because there's just so much footage of Michael Jordan attacking teammates. Poor Scott Burrell, you know, he's over here shooting free throws and Michael Jordan is, you know, calling him um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, names. Uh, some, some names. <laughs> some names and 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 he's just sitting there and taking it. He was just this ultimate competitor, this alpha dog. But he was going to get at you because, like he said, he wanted his teammates to share that same success that he wanted. He wanted everybody to be at the same level. And until you get on the same level as him, because Michael Jordan, he set the bar. One thing that I uh, I really took away from that when he was talking about, you know, criticizing his teammates and really pushing his teammates, he said, 
I never asked my teammates to do something I did not do. Yeah. So he was the one that set the bar. He was the golden standard for everybody else. And he wanted those guys to get on the same level as him. And that's what makes him one of the best alpha dogs of all time. And one of the all time competitors in, in sports. It's it's, it was awesome. And, and to see Michael Jordan really just become vulnerable. You know, we're so used to seeing Michael Jordan as this jerk, but for him to really talk about, you know, being competitive and being this, this, this jerk for him to get emotional and start to tear up. I thought that was awesome. And Saul, I know you shed a tear too at the end. Oh, dude. I mean, because I see the same thing in you, my friend, you are the same. You are the same. As long as I've known you, you have always kept me in check to the, to the point where I'm like, you know what? Screw Saul. But, (laughs) but, but, like Michael Jordan said, you never you never asked me to do something that you did not do. And that's why I appreciate you. You know, I was going to go another way with that. And I appreciate the compliment. But, folks, if you've ever seen Mr. Justin Spears on the basketball court, you have never <laughs> seen anybody go uh, a full 180 before in your life. Justin is like one of the sweetest guys you could ever meet. He's so nice. We get on the basketball court. And this dude turns into a psycho. Like he's cussing at everybody. He's throwing the ball. Like this is BS. That's a foul. Oh, travel. Like he's that dude on the playground that you're like, dude, somebody get him off the court because I just don't want him here anymore. <laughs> so so don't let him sweet talk you into saying nice things because this is how this man is in real life. But uh, uh, in all seriousness, you know, like I totally resonated with that. And then the, at the end with his father, I've, I've always seen that clip of Jordan getting down on the ground and, and, and crying. I've never heard it. Oh, yeah. And tonight you got to hear it in its full audio. Man, oh, man, that, was, that was tears. That was instant tears because you could feel how, how, how much of, uh, in despair he really was. Absolutely. And he felt the pain from his father no longer being there. And it, it just, it really resonated with me because I lost my father uh, not too long ago. Uh, And, you know, when when you do something where you're like, man, I really wish I could show my dad, my dad would be so proud. You, you just, you get that vulnerable feeling and you get that moment to where like, shoot, I just, I really wish my dad was here to to see this moment. And for Michael Jordan to have that moment, you know, right after uh, coming back, um, I thought was great. Josh Rowlett thought that was funny, huh? What's that <laughs> about your uh, about your alter ego on the basketball court? Oh, and then uh, Kenyon Johnson Vitale. saying, "What's good? I don't know what's good, man. I'm uh, we're we're waiting for uh we're waiting for uh, Mr. Chris to show up. I'm sure he's going to be here. Any we're missing minute. Scarface, man. Yeah, man. We're we're waiting on him. Uh, we'll give him a few more moments, and then uh, we might have to just move on. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean that that was fantastic stuff tonight. I, this whole series from one to eight has just been everything I hoped it would be and more. And next week, hey, I, we'll go ahead and talk about cool. next week right now because next week we have something really cool in store. We have, uh, we'll call it a Chicago last dance extravaganza. We're trying to rope in every single person we can possibly think of out there in the sports and and uh, celebrity community to come on to our show next week. Um, and so we have Paige Damascus, we have Corey Williams, uh, we're going to see if we can bring back Scott Williams, who played on the first three-peat. Uh, and then we're going to see if we can bring Steve back. And we're just going to have a nice flowing roundtable 
all all session long and and we're going to try and obviously add a few more after that and that's one thing that i've really taken away from this uh whole last dance documentary experience so many different angles and relationships and ties to the chicago bulls and to michael jordan i think it's great to hear like earlier in this podcast you heard about uh steve gilbert and you know his relationship with michael jordan uh when he was down here in arizona playing baseball and then you're having that story about playing basketball with him everybody's got an interesting michael jordan story next week is going to be a guest to palooza we're going to have so many chicago bulls mj stories it's gonna be great yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Major, hey, I, I feel you, man. We're, we're, we're waiting. We're waiting. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be here any second now. Uh, I, I mean, it's past midnight on the East Coast, so I don't know what, uh, what else is going on. It's 9 o'clock over here. We're having a good time. So uh, we'll give it a few more minutes, and then if he doesn't show, he doesn't show, yeah. and we got to move on, you know? Yeah, but, you know, uh, we'll, we'll give it some time. I'm uh, currently, by the way, I got the got the MJ sneaker on my phone. Oh, there it, you go. Every it's so awesome watching the Last Dance documentary, seeing all these like crazy shoes that are so popular still to this day, and you're seeing Michael Jordan uh, wearing them in games. But I am contacting Scarface as we speak. I'm messaging him. I'm gonna see if we can get him on. They agreed to it. I was excited. They even kind of like hyped it up before the podcast. They were sharing it with all the people. That's why we have a lot of people tuned in uh, asking about street beast, but. I mean, Street Beef's GoPro. Hey, Sunshine. <laughs> Speaking of Sunshine, I got a I lot of it today. I, I, I mean, I, I sent out the link. Steve Gilbert got in just fine. Hopefully we got the right uh, info. Uh, and then you have the link as well. So you could always text it to him. Um, just say, hey, click this button and get in here. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see here. We'll give it a couple more minutes. But Let's, uh, I got to ask you, was yeah. today the the best set of the Last Dance documentary so far? Uh, it was the most emotional. Like, I felt... Um, I, I felt in it all the way. Um, uh, so well, what do you want to know about street beef? I'm the street beef heavyweight champion, Kenyon Johnson. We got Ken, Kenyon Johnson. Uh, he is the street beef heavyweight champion. Apparently Kenyon Johnson, uh, is in our comment section right now. And, uh, he's, uh, he wants to know what, what's going on. So, uh, I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll give it some time. So, um, anyway, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I felt like it was the most impactful, um, for me, I could identify with it the most today, uh, just because, you know, I remember my mentality when I was a, a younger kid and how I idolized, um, uh, MJ growing up. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was remarkable to see that I would, I didn't feel like I was that far off from him. Now, talent wise, I was a world apart from Michael Jordan. Obviously I didn't even get anywhere near the league, but um, you know, mentality wise, I just felt like, you know, Hey, it, it, it was, I was on, I was on track with what he was thinking and how hard sometimes, you know, my teammates hated my guts. They didn't, they weren't big fans of me at all. Um, I remember my senior year, I almost got into a fight because you know, my coach was like, why are our players mixing practices? And, you know, we had a couple of players that went to a, a Suns game, you know, like it's not a big deal. Um, but I like challenged him. And then we like and one of those guys was like my best friend and he wanted to fight me. And I was just like, well, that's cool. You know, here we go. Uh, and I felt like we were going to ru- ruin the season, but we didn't. And we moved on. And I just felt like, OK, these are those moments he's talking about and how you're challenging your teammates to get better um, because you need them to get better. Yeah. So. I really loved 
all the stories that went along with it. And like you said, it was very emotional, the most emotional uh, set that we've seen so far. But I mean, all the stories that I wanted to see all happened t- tonight. You know, I wanted to, to hear about the practice when Michael Jordan punched Steve Kerr. And I thought it was incredible that they're teammates and they've known each other for a little bit. And Michael Jordan doesn't have Steve Kerr's phone number. He's like hunting down people to get Steve Kerr's phone number just so he can apologize to him. And then it goes into, at the beginning of part seven, the uh, all the conspiracy theories surrounding his father's death. Oh, man. When you know, Didn't that just what, make you sick? It made me sick to my stomach because you and I are both in this business. And to see a lot of sports writers say, you know, come up with these theories. Listen, these guys are colonists. And I put this on Twitter. I'm going to somewhat defend these guys because they are columnists. They're supposed to express their opinion more than the average reporter. But your job as a columnist is to base your opinion off of what is fact rather than coming up with these yeah. Wacky conspiracy theories Conjecture. that doesn't that, that doesn't have any factual evidence to it, and it just made me sit there and think: all these conspiracy theories around Michael Jordan's father's death. What would it? What would the NBA be like if Twitter was around during that time? Imagine Twitter and social media around during the time Michael Jordan's father passed away, or during that whole era. It just and you know what? I don't blame Michael Jordan whatsoever from stepping away from the game. Now. Yeah. There's a lot of conspiracy theories around why he decided to go play professional baseball. But, you know, hearing that story, you know, I thought was great. The Steve Kerr practice thing, uh, Judd Bushler pretty much saying we were his own teammates and we were afraid of him. (laughs) Hearing the all the alpha dog, the jerk stories like I I think tonight was hands down the best one. The previous favorite was the Dennis Rodman one. Same, same. All the like the Las Vegas adventures like that was awesome. But the emotion tied to tonight's uh episode seven and eight i thought was brilliant absolutely absolutely it was fantastic um it was it was an episode unlike any other and uh you know hey we move on now uh hey we we we, we've been waiting for for chris to show up um we'll give him a few minutes and while we wrap up the show if he comes in in between that time then we'll get to it if he doesn't then he doesn't and we'll move on but um justin let's go ahead and get into a a new segment my man justin wanted to run it's called don't be that guy who's your victim today so my victim for today honestly i don't even know the guy's name but he was decided to uh play one-on-one with um a lady and th- there's a reason why in the, in the caption of this video, this is why Karen Durant is trending. Look at this guy getting, oh my goodness. And, and, and listen, <laughs> it, it, it gets me all excited because listen, it's because she's wearing those like flat shoes where your toes are all like sucked into the, <laughs> into the tip. So like those aren't comfortable shoes. This guy is wearing gym shorts, a t-shirt and basketball shoes. Meanwhile, no, this, this, she, this she diced him with the left. Woo. Exactly. Went to the left, did the scoop layup, and she and, and made it look so easy. And this guy knew right away as soon as that ball went through the hoop, I'm going viral for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> and, and like I said, it's not because of who they are, but it's what she's wearing. She's wearing like that, the, the sweater 
and then she's wearing those shoes. And then the fact that she cooked them like that in front of all of his friends while he's been playing basketball probably for an hour since before she came there. Oh, don't be that guy. Don't be cooked him. Them. Cooked them is right. Absolutely sauced them up. And uh, that was that was fantastic stuff. And then uh, my guy, my don't be that guy is, uh, I, first of all, you know, I'm not even going to put this on one, one guy. I'm going to just put this on the Washington Post. Like, dude, for real, they come up with this article today. And it is the most atrocious piece of clickbait you could ever watch or look at at a time like this. Um, it starts off. Uh, the pandemic has reminded us we don't need sports anymore. Uh, and it just is just awful, just awful. Uh, we don't need sports in our lives. We need less. Like what, why, why I don't need to, I don't need to read this and I don't need to know who, who wrote this to know that the Washington post looks like absolute crap, uh, for, for really running the story. First of all, the reasons I don't even want to know, I don't even want to know because, it's at this time and place when we don't have sports, it's okay to acknowledge that you miss them. It doesn't mean that they have to be your all everything, but it's okay to say that you miss them. And for this article to try and get bait people into reading it, I just it's thought bait. it was just so, so below the waist. I was like, you know what? Go on somewhere else with this. At this time where people are just, they're clamoring for anything right now. And then you want to just kind of poop on them. Like, Get out of here with that mess. But but Saul, that this is one of the unfortunate elements about media today is this is clickbait. This is a way to get everybody talking about your brand and what you wrote. I'm you, I mean, people are hating on it. I I strongly dislike it. I think that is complete garbage, whatever that, that person wrote. But people are clicking on it because they're like, wow, I want to know what this person really has to say. They get a bunch of clicks, and that's good for the Washington Post. Listen, it's good journalism at the Washington Post. Uh, you know, Kevin Blackstone, uh, Mike Wilbon, uh, Tony Kornheiser. You know, those are all the Washington Post guys. Those guys are awesome. There's great journalism at the Washington Post, but that right there, we don't need sports right now. That's just that's just a line of baloney and absolute clickbait. For sure, for sure. Well, hey, we gave him a chance. It didn't happen today, but that doesn't mean we can't try again for in, in a couple weeks uh, with Chris Scarface, uh, Wilmore, Wilmore. Uh, with Street Beefs, and uh, we had some videos all tuned up. And we, were we were so gonna, ready. We to were going to show. We we're going to show all the the knockouts and everything. But uh, you know, hey, it, it is what it is. Uh, sometimes it gets a little late over there on the on the West Coast, and actually. We probably will make a slight adjustment to our schedule after the last dance episodes have finally come to an end uh, because there's really no point in going this late um, after that point. But the reason why we have been going this late is because we want to watch the episodes and then give you our thoughts. So absolutely. Um, but for my man, Justin Spears, you got anything else? Um, I just want to remind you guys that the sun is starting to stay out longer and the sun is very hot. So don't be like this guy. And not wear sunscreen when you go into the pool, when you're hanging out at your mom's house for Mother's Day, because your boy looks like a medium rare steak. And I did not expect to look like this. And I'm terribly sorry that I looked like a tomato. The sun done sauced you up for so, sure. So wear sunscreen. Those are my last words. <laughs> Justin Spears right there, my man, Justin. Uh, and uh, we'll give you a little tease of the show. Uh, open that we showed today. We're going to end it out with this. And then, uh, hey, we'll see you all next week. Make sure you subscribe to the Total BS Podcast on YouTube because you got to watch us. 
you got to watch the show to get the full experience. So make sure you subscribe to the Total PS Podcast on YouTube. Also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter as well. And Google Podcasts now. We have been added to Google Podcasts. So, yeah, we're coming up, baby. Like Jefferson's. Layers. Till next time, folks. Peace. Bitch, you best 16 of your must. You're not whack. You just sound whack rapping after us. Yo, your fans just might turn into our fans. Be cool, it's just a part of this program. Spit your best 16 if you must. You not whack. You just sound whack rapping after us. <laughs>